1: Well, Hello, 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 everybody. It is Forbes Riley, and welcome to the Forbes Factor. It's one of my favorite hours of the week. I've got a very special guest coming up in a few minutes, and I just want to start out by uh, giving a big thank you to everybody who listens. We just upgraded to the Variety Channel, and I got to tell you, our viewership exploded, and we've done a bunch of exciting things lately. Literally two nights ago, I've been meaning to do this for the last six years, I launched a membership, and the funny thing is, and my guest doesn't know this, but I met someone that he works with years and years ago. And while I was doing all of my things, I had a variety of different mentors. And this particular person said to me, You know, I have a membership. I said, That's great. What is it about? Well, he told me. I said, How much do you charge? He said, I charge $1,500. Now, you know, I'm a huge manifester. And that's all I'm going to say is that seeing it, dreaming it, believing it is the way to achieve it. And I have that in my head. I said, Well, how many people do you have? He said, I have 1,500. And I did the math because $1,500 doesn't sound like a whole lot of money. It sounds like a nice amount of money. When you multiply it by 1,500, you come up with $3 million. And I know it sounds crazy, but for the last couple of years, I've carried that number in my head. What would it mean to have a $1,500 product that 1,500 people wanted? Now, I've been teaching for years, and I have products that are all over the place. I mean, I teach. I just launched, we actually just graduated two nights ago, my very first next level training. I had 80 people in the training. It's my highest level personal branding. How do you leverage other people's podcasts? It's brilliant. I've been doing some form of that for years, but I finally got serious. As I am now doing with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you guys have been listening to this show, some of you, for upwards of 10 years. I'm tired of... Anybody in my world saying they're broke. With your broken spirit, your broken finances, you're not broke. I've got a guy who's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life because he's a quadriplegic. He might be a little broke. Yeah, his hands don't work, his arms don't work, he's like, you not broke. And I truly believe that how you speak to yourself is how you manifest what happens in your life. And so I've carried Ryan's this little, this little tiny mentor bubble in the back of my head. And years ago I started a, a fitness membership and it was good for a little while, but the technology has finally caught up. And the other thing that caught up was my own mentality. Can I share that with you guys? Is that when you believe that you're worthy of something, that you are enough, that you no longer have that fear of failure or fear of success or just don't have it, and you go forth anyway, watch what manifests in your life. So next level, with a whole team of people that I've now engaged, enrolled, and excited to work with me, launched this beta program that's going out to the world big time next September. And we, at the graduation, launched our membership. Oh, my gosh. And I just want to put out there to you what and why I would want to do this, because there's a lot of that word membership. In fact, I didn't want to call it that. I call it the inner circle. How do you get close to Forbes Riley? How do you learn to do what I do the way I do? How do you leverage your skill, your expertise, make money from it, and impact and influence others? Yeah. It's the way to leave a legacy. It's the way to be happy. It's also the way to take a very nice vacation because it pays pretty well. Yeah. All right. Well, that's why you listen to me. So we're, I'm just going to give you a little insight today, because it's literally the first week we're uh, we're announcing it tonight in a big training that I'm doing at 8 o'clock. So excited if you're listening live, and so many of you do, and thank you for tuning in. What am I doing that's different? So I had a, a feeling that what is a real mastermind? And if you don't know, I encourage you to read Napoleon Hill's book where he talks about this concept of great minds coming together. That's part of what we do on the show. And I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest, who not only is a great business guy, but has also mastered the highest level of that crazy sport my son used to play called football. Now, my ex-husband did too. My ex-husband was an All-American uh, graduate of Notre Dame. We'll talk about that when, he, when, when Taylor comes up, but I have a little bit of expertise in being involved with a football player, but never having to actually touch the ball. Hmm. All right, so why is this different? Well, I did something crazy and I just want to let you guys know so that you give me some feedback. So Mastermind is where people like minded people come together to educate, uplift. It's not really a training. It's definitely a type of a round circle with hot seats. And you're really there to be around people who can move your business to the next level, but don't necessarily work for you or with you. Okay, but then there's this thing I love called Clubhouse. And you know me, I've got now 60,000 followers, real followers on Clubhouse. And the cool thing about that platform is you don't have to wear makeup Uh, You can be rather anonymous, but you can also grab the mic and just hear. It's it's an audio-only program. And I put the two together, and I created a thing called Master Club. Not MasterCard, not MasterMind, but this Master Club, where people in my world, you guys, my students, have a platform now where they can interact with each other. We have a very structured meeting time every week, and we go from taking pitches, which is what I love to do, to networking in breakout rooms, which we don't have time to do in my big, big, I have a huge overarching mastermind with thousands of people. That's more of a, I said this and people got mad at me. It's like a watering hole. It's a bit more like, Hey, this is what we do after training. This is where we all go. This is where we hang out and share ideas, but it's only an hour long. There's only so much that you can get done. And then I said, let's offer pitch reviews. Like literally you can Record your pitch, send six of them in for no additional charge. Me and my team will review it. And you know, I'm not a new TV series about pitching. So, kind of an expertise here. And then the big thing that I'm excited about is I do my breakthrough trainings. For those of you who are dealing with trauma, if you're suffering from procrastination or you think you do, sabotage, depression, once a month, I am now doing this like clockwork. I've been doing it for 28 years, but never as structured. And I'm going to change lives. So on that note, it's called the Forbes Rileys with an S, innercircle.com. I urge you to check it out and offer up any suggestions. We are formulating a board of advisors at the moment of a very, very high-level group of people. You'll know everybody's name on my board of advisors, I promise you, from celebrity businessmen and women to celebrities themselves to actors and just I have a, a eclectic group of people and I'm looking to enroll more. I think I want an astronaut. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. I think we need to go after somebody who's walked in space. Anyway, how about how big can you dream? Well, my first guest, actually my only guest today, I decided to, to play it to play it intimate. Uh, I met on Instagram. And, you know, I've done a lot of this lately. I've reached out to people that I do not know in an effort to learn more, to grow more, to broaden my horizons. And, of course, he's in business with one of my favorite people, Ryan Stuman. And so please bring to this stage, if you will, he's a former mm-hmm. uh, NFL athlete, turned businessman, turned all kinds of things. His name is, let me add the spotlight here. His name is Taylor. And I don't know if I can do the last name justice. Samank. <laughs> Samank. I knew I was going to try it. That's Where does that come from, Taylor?
2: That's German.
1: All right. There you go. So People ask me where Forbes comes all the time, so. <laughs> you, Taylor's a good name. I'm Mr. Taylor. So just listening to what I had to say, what was your, your thoughts and feelings about that?
2: It's crazy. There's so much alignment. And um, like you said, we connected just almost just on a whim, almost at the beginning and then realizing all the different things that you do and kind of I researched you a little bit as well um, on the back end already, but then hearing the things that you're doing and the things you're starting, I'm like, Oh my, there's so much more alignment that I realized, um, which is cool. And I love a lot of mindset stuff that you're talking about is some of the, some of the things that I learned, And some of that had to apply when I was going through sports and trainings, which we'll probably get into and stuff, but, but it's just, it's just cool. Love being great people.
1: Well, and I thank you. And I appreciate you just saying yes, because that's, I think that's how you, you get ahead in life. You know, there's a time to say no. And I had to learn that one, but there's definitely a time to say yes, lean in and then show up. And, and I met Ryan many, many years ago. So one of the things that you need to be aware of, I don't know if you know, but full fledged top to bottom, I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we now have to declare that. But there's something about being a woman and a mom of 20-year-old twins. We're both very successful at the moment. And my husband, my second husband, is an All-American Mr. Olympia bodybuilder. First one was a oh. football player. Yeah. I like. Well, if you're a strong woman, I like my men strong. So I don't know. <laughs> at home, I like to put on the little girl going, you know what? Let's just pamper me and be silly. And that's a funny thing you guys all need to know about women. But in the world of speakers where I have managed to excel and I take the stage very happily with people like Les Brown, Deepak Chopra, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, happy to hold my own. There's not a lot of women at that level. I venture to say there's not a lot of women. I saw one on the NFL football field. She was a kicker and I was nervous for her. Uh, So there's definitely a difference, but not in this business. And when I watched what you guys did with Apex, I was like, damn, Ryan, you go. All right. So let's back the train up a little bit. Welcome to my stage, Taylor. (laughs)
2: I'm happy to be here.
1: What did you want to be when you were little?
2: Actually, I wanted to play in the NFL.
1: No. Did you? Why? Why?
2: So um, I actually still have the piece of paper. When I was 12 years old, I wrote it on there that I wanted to play in the NFL. And I kept it, thankfully. So it's cool to always look back on and see. But I I grew up in a family of sports. So my grandfather coached the Cowboys back with like Tom Landry. He's in the coaches Hall of Fame for strength coach. So that was always in my kind of. Pedigree of, we always trained together and stuff like that. So when I saw him and what he had accomplished, and from a coach side, I was like, man, I want to be the first player in our family to actually go. And that's when I wrote it down. And years, years later, actually achieved it. So
1: I just got chills in my whole body, guys. (laughs) Well, because this is the thing that I wish we taught 12-year-olds, that that dream, if you dare to write it down, can in fact come true, however weird it is. My daughter at 14 wrote down and put in her Google calendar to pop up on her 18th birthday that she would be a millionaire on her own. Uh Wow. she tells the story. Guess what she popped up on her 18th birthday? And she started a business. She'd been in digital marketing since she was 12, but at 17, she and I started a coaching company. She's the CEO of the company. She's the entire back end. She runs a team of 16 people. And when she said, Mom, look at this, I'm like.
2: That's me- awesome.
1: And then I have a
2: book. I meet <laughs>
1: I, right. I know, you know? And then I have a I have the same book. I have a book I did when I was 27 that I call the magical book. There's 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 I, you know, you don't need to know how to explain it. And what do I mean by that? Gravity works, whether you believe in it or not, right? I don't believe in gravity, still works. So Mm -hmm. if you say, I don't believe in manifestation, it doesn't much matter. I, my son, get you want to hear a crazy story. My eight-year-old son walks into the house in Florida. Now I've lived, I'm from New York, spent years living in California. How much stuff do you take with you, right? And now I'm in Florida. He walks in, I've got no sports in my life. My dad is a geek who did magic and was an inventor. And we never, ever, ever turned on a sports game. I did not know about baseball, none of this. I have a boy and a girl. My son's a little eager. Okay. He walks into the kitchen wearing his hat, his outfit. And not, probably not an outfit, probably called a uniform. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a, a little picture of him, a circle picture. He's like, mom, check this out. And I had this thought. I'm like, I looked at that photo. And I said, wait a second. I said, don't move. And I walked into the garage. And I dug into a plastic box that had been there for 20 years, 20 years. And I pulled out this little book and I flipped through it as though I knew I was supposed to do this. And there's a drawing of a beautiful woman with long hair holding a little boy in a baseball V uniform with a little cap and some squiggles.
2: And
1: I'm like, this is you. It looks just like the picture. And I thought, Wow. If you write it down and believe it you can manifest it. So I'm oh, talking man. to the manifest of NL oh wow. All right. So now you're going through school and through high school did you know you're going to play?
2: Um so it's kind of a weird story. so I wanted to be and it's funny I even wrote all this out which goes right to your point even more so. So I wanted to play receiver like that was my thing. Um and that but I also played soccer growing up so I was I even wrote I, was like, I want to play receiver in the NFL and if I have to I'll kick and punt. And so <laughs> in high school I, I graduated about 150 soaking wet. I was under six foot and I wasn't fast at the time. So not recruitable for being a receiver. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'll take the kicking route. So the first school I went to was they offered them to play both. So I was like, I, quite, my, I was always behind on far as the like growth wise. Now I'm 6'3", 195 and I am I got a lot faster in college. So it was like all the things I could have used earlier were coming. It was just late. So the first school I went to, they, they said I could do both. So that's why I went there turns out it was a recruiting tactic and they're like, Hey, we're not going to for we can't lose you playing receiver. And then we lose like four positions. Cause you also did kick punts and kickoffs and all that stuff there too. So I was like, okay, if that's going to be how they're going to treat me, I know every other school is going to treat me there too. Um, and so when I transferred, I went to a D2 school first, so I could play both. And then once I realized that I was like, cool, I want to go D1. That was also something I wrote down um, on that same sheet of paper, play division one. And so I went to transfer it out of that right after that season and was like, okay, hey, I'm going to go focus on kicking and punting. And then that's what kind of took me on. And then I started growing and it ended up helping me in other stuff too. But that's kind of how that all worked out and transitioned into the college realm. Wow.
1: All right. And tell everybody what team you ended up playing for.
2: Uh, a couple of, I played for Texas Tech and, and college. Um, So I got to play with Cliff Kingsbury. All the different people that we had from that team was, I mean, it was like 20 of us now that went on to that league from that same team. So like Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, all these guys, we had some some key players there. Um, and then played in NFL for a couple different teams, Minnesota, Philadelphia and Giants um, is kind of where I ended up.
1: It's an awesome. Now, are there moments when you just said, I don't really want to do this? It's hard.
2: Um, yes and no. I mean, yeah, to be honest, like there's like moments like, kind oh, this sucks, but I know it's also part of the process. There's things that I love to do that. There's moments that suck, too. So
1: <laughs> where do you get your personal strength from?
2: I think I'm a legacy-driven person, um, and ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to make not only my my family, but my grandfather. Me and him were really close. I wanted to continue the legacy that he started to build, and I didn't want to let anybody down. That's kind of where it started from.
1: That is really powerful. Where do you live now? I'm um, in Dallas. All right. So you have. To, so you go through this. and uh, now you stop playing at some point. Why?
2: Um, I actually got injured, um, my fourth year and it just the timing, everything worked out and then got into business was a really easy transition. I was like, okay, I've always wanted to get into business. It was like my next goal after sports anyway, just happened sooner than I thought. And then I transitioned out. That's what, that's why.
1: Just happened to end up in business. All right. We've got two minutes to my first break. We got a lot of people listening, a lot of questions coming in. Um, what's one thing you want people to know about you?
2: About me? Um, that it's possible for everybody else because for me it's one point in my life it was always i was always a late bloomer so i was was always hoping that i would become something right so it's just the the proof people look at me it's like there's proof to not only manifestation but there's proof to if you stick to it and actually put in the work it's possible no matter what the dreams are as well as the same thing kind of happens in business as well which we'll get into but it's uh it's possible when think of me i want them to think it's possible with them too
1: I love that. It's possible. In fact, you know, that that phrase I'm possible is also, yeah, is impossible is if you change the M to capital I apostrophe M. And again, it's how you talk to yourself. I would imagine there's times where it gets to be really tough. I mean, I know my ex was an All-American. He was an offensive lineman.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: He was that six foot six. You don't want to get near him kind of 380 pounds like, oh my gosh, don't hurt me.
0: Uh,
1: (laughs) But it's funny. He didn't end up going pro. All of his teammates did. And that's a great story when we come back, because right now we're going to take our first break, say hi to our sponsors. You're listening to The Forbes Factor with Forbes Riley. I'm having a blast with Taylor, former NFL superstar turned business superstar. How do you do it all? You do it the way he does it. All right. Come back right after this message.
0: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call one 866 472 That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley.
1: Hey, you guys, welcome back. So we, Taylor and I, are just talking about about Super Bowl, and I surprised him. I'm in a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, I'm gonna find it for you. See if I can't play it because it's hysterical. It's still out there. Uh, my big, you know, like I said, I didn't get to the the uh, halftime just yet. J Lo and Shakira got there. I'm working on that. Um, but we're lo- we're talking about life lessons that you learn from sports. By the way, here's another part of sports. I love unpacking this with Taylor. At some some point, I'll ask him a question. But my business speaking coach is none other than Joe Theismann. How's that for like, I know you didn't hear that one coming. Um, Joe and I did an infomercial a decade ago for an insole called Barefoot Science. And I wasn't speaking at the time. And I went to one of his speeches and I thought, you're really good, and I watched how he his yellow pad technique and the way he broke out things and he was funny, and I'm like, "Dude, hes, well, why don't I coach you?" And every week for about four years, he was my speaking coach. And I said, at some point, I should probably write the book about how I became who I am because I learned it through a football quarterback. Wow. I didn't understand what teamwork was. Does that seem do you find that a lot if you've not been at that level that people don't really understand what teamwork is?
2: One hundred percent. It's actually one of the big things I did take away, not only from sports and transferring to business, because there was a, that first year I was like, how what can I take away from everything I've done for the past X number of years and position myself from other people that have been in business longer than I have? But how can I take from the things that I learned and apply that? Teamwork was definitely one of them, for sure. Determination. There's a bunch of lists I can go through. But yeah, it definitely is.
1: Well, actually, I have go through a couple of things, because, you know, I've been through a lot of trauma in my life. I put myself in some pretty dangerous, crazy situations, and I've lived to tell lessons I've learned. I love hearing football players talk about, because it's it's an unreal sport. It doesn't make sense that you're at that level with that much pressure and that many people watching you do this. And if you screw up, how do you handle that? Because that many people watched you. You know, kind of like you hear social media people freak out when, you know, somebody disses them You know, I'm sure you guys get that all the time, but there must be a mechanism internally that gets you through that. Yes?
2: 100%. So those are actually two of the big things I took away. I was going to list was determination, which I'll go into first, because when I transferred into business, what ended up happening is a lot of the stuff became things that I didn't necessarily like to do at the very beginning, but I also knew it got the results I wanted. And so, with that, we especially in business now with a lot of people that I work with, it's that same thing. It's like people question, like maybe it's not for me if it's something I don't like to do. And but there's all things that you'd love the result of it. And so, I had to learn that in sports, there's certain moments for trainings and stuff like that. It just it just sucked. You couldn't get around it, but it was just a part of the process. And when you see it as a process, it kind of changes the perspective of everything, which yeah. ultimately the goal is the main thing, right? The result that you're trying to go after. And so, remembering that. And then the other thing you kind of alluded to, which was fear. And there was actually a good book. Um, I can't remember her name, but I think it's feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yep. And I like dissected that book and then actually had some speeches on it, but it was one of the things that changed the perspective after I wish I would have read it earlier in sports. I kind of like had to learn by trial and error. Um, because the kicker and punter, there's a lot of pressure that gets put on you, but the reality is you can't see it as pressure. Right. And then there's a lot of cool quotes about like, that's not really pressure. Pressure is when like your life is like back against the wall, and you have to prepare, like provide for your kids, and like that's really the pressure, right? So it's a little bit different. I'm on the field, and people are supporting me. Really, and then they continue, like, I mean, I've gotten like death threats and stuff like that, but it's not. Oh like, no! <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just more like. It was more of from a sport playing. It's not necessarily like when your life's really in danger, if that makes right, sense. But, right. but
1: let's get real. The problem with your position is that when it's when it doesn't work, we all know it's you. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I exactly. followed it. You no, know, it's all on. That's the one thing. I remember that. And I'm so sorry, but I was watching not long ago and I was like, it's got one job to do. Can you get it between the posts?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and so one of the things, too, I'd learned from the fear side of things was the fact of like, seeing it as a friend, like it's never going anywhere, especially if we're always trying to ach- like adapt and become the top 1% of whatever we do. We're always going to be coming up against something we don't or ha- don't know or haven't done before or something's new, have- the variation of what we had to do before is different now. And so it's always going to have that, that natural inclination of fear. So it's like, okay, cool. I can either keep running away from it and keep shying away and be like, ah, maybe not. Or I can be like, cool, this means... You know, Tony Robbins actually has a good explanation of this and a story about this He's talking about like a performer and then someone who's basically just afraid of speaking. And so they step on a stage and like their hands, like he talks, goes through the whole list of like all the feelings that they feel. Hands are sweaty, your heart's racing, you know, your, your, your mind's just running. Right. And then he asks one person that's afraid of speaking. And then he also asks the person that's performed. That's what they do for a living. And they literally say the exact same things, except one takes the end of it and says, it means that I'm ready. It means that I'm excited. Like, this is this is my moment where the other person turns around and is like, maybe maybe I'm not gifted enough in this. Maybe this is not for me. And literally that one decision literally changes the course of someone's life and what they do and what they don't do. And the feelings were the exact same. So it was really that kind of shift to understanding, okay, because you get those same feelings when I step on a field in front of 100,000 fans and you're the only one out there. You can't blame anybody. You can't say, like, well, that was their fault. Like, it literally was just you. So that's kind of the thing I had to realize like, okay, cool. Like I have to change the way I see it. And then obviously the results change too. But yeah.
1: Wait, 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 take me to that moment. I can understand the feeling when it goes between the posts, when it doesn't, what do you do with that at that moment?
2: Yeah. So there's a couple of different things. Um, and obviously you want to, so how I'll process that essentially is if I miss one, it's good. Okay. I was like, Hey, what did I do wrong? Like what things do I need to fix? What things I need to hone in and address it immediately. And then i basically understand how I need to fix it. And then I kind of leave it And because if I think about it too much and it stays in your head, then you can't be in the moment anymore. Right. If if you're in your head, you're dead. It's another Tony Robbins deal. And so like, that's the idea is how do I make myself be present, breathe, do all the things I need to do to, to remain in the place because my body already knows how to do it. Like there's a reason I'm there. I know how to do that. If I change it and I get in my head, then I can't let my body do what it needs to do. So now if I miss let's say you miss twice. Thankfully, I didn't have very many of those, but I know some guys that did. And so in that moment, you have to address it a little bit differently. Um, But the idea is that you can't stay in your head because it's just in your head, you're dead, really. Um, And so sometimes that ends a lot of careers, too, because you'll see guys that miss a couple of times back to back to back. And then it becomes a head game. It's no longer whether you're skilled, no longer if you have the talent it's just no long it's just not that thing anymore so yeah it's important for sure <laughs> the mindset thought, of that.
1: you talked about Patrick Mahomes this was my impression my life lesson cuz i love finding stories super bowl the guy's injured he's got an ankle injury he gets the ball for the first half of the game it just sucks just they they're, they're going to lose there. you know and i'm sure, i don't sure know what the locker room conversation is you know how you do that but they came out on the field with a sense of determination you could feel it but he gets the ball no one to throw it to on, a, on an ankle that's bad against people who can outrun okay. him three times professionally, he goes down the field. And I just was like, oh, my God, as as a as a person, as a performer, as somebody who's just I'm going to win this. I've I'm done that all in and burn the boats. That moment was that for me. What was your reaction when he did that?
2: Kind of the same thing. It was, I obviously I knew Pat a little bit different. So I know he he's one of those gamers. He's like, Hey, I'm just going to put it all on the line. It was one shot. Let's make it happen. So when he did, when I realized, cause I was watching that game. I remember that, that point you kind of see, and you can see in his eyes too. It was like, all right, nobody's open. He's had yeah, to make something not, happen. Yes. And that's, that's what I loved about Pat too, because he was that guy. He was like, I'm going to make it happen. Regardless of I have to throw sideways, do a no look pass, do whatever I have to do. He was always the guy that would, you know, get the result, essentially ha- whatever means necessary. Um, so it was just cool to see because it was like an hour display of what I always got to see, but on a huge scale for him too. So,
1: so let's translate that into business that you are the guy, there's no one to throw it to It's uh, if it's to be, it's up to me. Right. How did you translate that to business? What was your transition?
2: Yeah, for sure. And so that is exactly the quote that I also live by from that right there, because it's the whole thing of like, no one was, no one's coming to save me. And, And there's a thing that Ed Milet says a lot too. It's like, you're the one. Right. And so like for me, I wanted to be the one in my family that not only provided generational legacy from a financial standpoint, but a lot of the things too, like the standard that we live by, like we're the semantics, like this is what we do and create that standard for everybody else. Um, and so for me, that's kind of what it, it was always This the mindset of, OK, cool. Now I transition to business. How do I create that? And then my first step was implement, like you have to there's a couple of different steps to everything that's been successful. There's a good book out there can't remember the name of it. A buddy of mine wrote it. Um, I think it's like the art of a champion or something like that. But he talks about how to become like the number one in whatever industry. And the first one is you have to replicate. That's the first step. So like whenever you're trying to chase something or become something, okay, who's the best at it? get around those people, replicate what they do. And then you start to develop those skill sets. And then you start to do implementing your own little pieces to it that make you unique and then different things like that. And that's how you start separating yourself Then you putting your own little strategies on it. And then you become that person in that industry, whatever it may be, that separates you from everybody else. But that first step, just like in football for me, when I walk into a locker room, I'm getting around all the Hall of Famers I'm getting around all the people that have been there for a long time. And I'm trying to get their mindset, not only of the culture, but also to like what makes them the best and how do they prepare for their body? Like, how do they take care of themselves? How do they eat? How do they, all those things. When I first walked in my rookie year, that's who I wanted to get around. Cause they've been there for longer. I wasn't going to hang around all the rookies and be like, cool. Like it's awesome. We're here. I want to be around the guy that was been there for 15 years and was the best at it forever. Like he's going to be in the hall of fame probably. And so the same thing I did when I went into business, who's the top 1%, who do I need to get around? And that's kind of the process and same deal.
1: That's beautiful. Guys, did you just really hear that? Because you have an option when you walk in, you're a rookie, you just got drafted. How cool is this? Or you're a part of the team now, and you could hang out with the other rookies going, Yeah, we're part of this. This is cool. I've all seen that in yeah. the movies. Or you could be what Taylor did and learn from the best. I'm sure there's a little level of be humble. Even though I've gotten here, there's people who are so much better than me. How do yeah. I learn from them? So, two parts to this question, because I don't know the answer to it, is that did you start going into business? If so, which? And at what point did you meet Ryan?
2: Yeah. So, my first business outside of sports was insurance Um, so actually a family friend kind of mentor of mine growing up was opening up an insurance agency and he was like hey it's actually the first interview I went to I was like hey you know looking to kind of transition and so forth and he's like cool I want you to help me run this business Um, and so I was like all right first place first place (laughs) let's make it happen so we actually started that business um, and that was the first thing I did and then about probably about I guess it would have been two years later I met Ryan um, and so actually how I even met Ryan was through Ed Milet. So my girlfriend at the time, um, had worked for Ed Milet on his marketing team and connected and so I hopped on the phone with, with Ed and I was talking and just kind of telling him where I was and I was like, I'll go anywhere. Like, I just want to be around the best of the best and I'll follow you. I just like the whole concept I was telling you is like, I just want to be around the best people so I can know what to implement and know what I don't know. Cause a lot of things I don't know, probably, especially in the business world and a lot about sports and mindset and how to shift. But there's different tactics that I probably am not even aware of, and I wasn't around. So that's the, that was the big thing for me, um, and then that kind of connects me to Ryan.
1: You know, it's funny. I I've been so blessed. Early in my speaking career, I had a chance to speak between Ed Milette and Bradley on Grant Cardone's stage. Um, one of the only women who gets to do that as a speaker. Now they, you know, Elena is is that, and she interviews people. So I feel very blessed and honored that they trusted me. Uh, and Ed and his wife are extraordinary. So good for you for doing that. Um, and so you went from insurance to now, where are you business-wise?
2: Yeah. So right now I work with Ryan at Apex. So like we do all the different masterminds, different things that we have going on with their sales, marketing, all the kind of helping people develop their business strategies and business growth, essentially from start all the way possibly to exit and so forth. So that's kind of what we focus on now.
1: And so what makes you good at that? <clears throat>
2: I think there's a lot of things, um, and but I'm I'm also humble, so like I'm like okay, how do I make sure I say that correctly? <laughs> uh, you know, so like it's in the back of my mind. I'm like, there's a lot of things in my mind that I say to myself that I'm not going right, to say. I
1: want to hear that stuff. Brian's not. No one is in the room but you and me, <laughs> a million other people.
2: <laughs> yeah. So um, I think a lot of things I did mention before. So like I learned a lot of different things from not only teamwork but leadership. So like you're around some of the top people and top 1% really in the world at what I was doing before that I had to lead. So you're not dealing with just random people. You're dealing with the best and the best. And like you're having to lead and, and guide and do all those different things. So I was captains and things like that all throughout sports. But you're, you're it's not just like just normal guys, like Bravo, like they're huge guys at six, six, like 300 pounds. It's not just anybody that you're walking in and leading. So a lot of those kind of tactics going into business obviously applies as well. And then also too just the mindset stuff. Um, the shifts, because a lot of times it's not, you can teach strategies, you can teach like tactics, you can teach all those things, but really a lot of times the biggest hurdles are the mental stuff and people come in for a lot of the different things like, Hey, I need to do this, this, and this, and you can teach that. But after you have that, what are you going to do with it? Right. And then that becomes an internal game of how do I apply that? How do I, why am I not applying that? I have the information, but why am I not like taking it to the next level? And usually it's a, some type of, belief system about yourself, whatever it may be, it's, it's all those little things, which is what I had to go through internally for a long time with sports, especially in the position I was at, cause it was all mental really. Um, and so that's what I kind of apply. And I think makes me good at what I do now is cause I'm going in dissecting. Okay, cool. This is what we need to do from business. And I can teach you all the different things and tactics wise, But then cool. Like, why is it not being implemented? How do I keep you accountable? How do I make sure that you actually reach your goals? And it's not just one of those other things you just sign up for. And it's like, ah, it didn't work. And then you get to the whole point of like Tony Robbins all the time. It's like, nothing works. I'm like, well, how many times did you try it? Right. It's like, you know, there's, there is an answer. Someone's doing it. So like, okay, how do I get that person from someone's doing it to, okay, that was me, you know? And so like, that's the kind of goal thing.
1: You know, it's funny because I was very happy leading my own ship and doing it my way. I'm quite the maverick. And I've been a superstar in a lot of different areas from infomercials to home shopping to launching my own fitness product. I don't know if you've seen my spin gym, but I've made Ryan do this. I may have to have you do this as well (laughs) Uh, and gotten levels of success. And now I find myself in a very unique position, seriously coaching people, 18,000 students in three years. It's like, whoa, I don't Mm -hmm. think I really anticipated all of that. I guess what I have to teach is important. Uh, and I know that. And I also love watching the shift in my own head. But when you have a lot of people coming to you looking for answers, I'm fascinated that you have this analogy. And this is where I definitely wanted to interview you. He just said that sports football is mostly mental, which is, I don't think people who don't play realize, well, if I'm not big and I'm not that, no, it's not, it's still mental. And even big, strong, amazing players, when they get hit, how many times you get back up is mental Yeah. and so how do you explain to people who come into business that they are their worst enemy?
2: Yeah. And it, it's, it's everybody's a little different because they have their nuance of how they see themselves. Right. Um, that that's the part, part you have to kind of decipher. But the re like the whole thing is because everybody gets the CEO, right? Like we all understand that positions and stuff like that. And I always walk people through stuff of some people come from nine to five and they're starting a business and all that kind of stuff. And like helping them realize like you're the CEO of your life. Like, you are that person no one's coming to if no one was coming to save you no one was coming to give you any information like there was social media just ended tomorrow and you had to figure it out for you and your family like what would you do and a lot of times like we are very resourceful if we really put ourselves against our back against the wall and we kind of know a direction or we know what we should do but then we're always going to confront some type of fear some type of uncomfortableness some type of whatever it may be and that right there is usually what needs to be addressed. But we always avoid it because we don't want to deal with it because it usually has to mean that we have to grow. That's uncomfortable. We always seek you know comfort instead of discomfort. We all understand and know. We always say it, right? It's like in uncomfortable moments when we grow the most, but none of us really want to be comfortable either because there's fear, there's things that we don't like there. But that's really what has to be is like confronting the things that you don't want to usually leads to the best growth. And so that's kind of what I I always start with. And then I kind of transition into how it segues into them individually.
1: Do you have a bit of a formula that you use when the going gets tough? And you know what? Wait, yeah. that beautiful look, I'm going to let you think about it for a minute because we got to take a quick break, our second Perfect. break of the afternoon. And then we're back right up that for the final section of Forbes Factor. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness. I think we've covered a lot of this, although I will have to ask about his health routine. I think that's an important thing too. So guys, uh, you listen to the Forbes Factor, hosted by Forbes Riley, and we'll be right back after this message. Don't
0: go away. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes, guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym, so try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. voiceamerica.com you are listening to the Forbes Factor to call in with a question or comment please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com now back to the show here's Forbes Riley
1: Hey, everybody. It's Forbes Riley. We're back. I'm having a just a blast, like an over-the-coffee kind of conversation with Taylor, talking about his mom, who was a kickboxer and just a great mom. And you can tell, you know, when my son walked in, who, by the way, was a high school varsity quarterback, very, very proud of him. And then he just quit because his team was not supportive. And he just said, Mom, I'm not going to go out there and get hit and beaten up and all of that because the team just didn't work for whatever reason. I think it was the coach. And that's unfortunate because I think his dad would have loved to have seen him in football. But like you, he is six foot three. I think he still weighs 142 pounds. So, you know, it's like run fast, babe, or stand there and really throw. <laughs> right. um, so, but when I walked in the other night, because he just came back from college, I realized the love that he and I have, I think the love of a mom with a son is really important. Do you agree?
2: 100%. There's
1: something really special about that. And I, my heart hurts. I raised a little boy who did not have a dad uh, as a bonus child, we'll call him, um, and did the best that we could. Unfortunately, he was murdered, which is a really sad part of my legacy. Uh, but I also believe that things happen for you, not to you. And so I used Dexter's story and, uh, and what happened as a launching off point to inspire others, because that's one of part of my legacy, is to take mm-hmm. the pain of somebody's life and make it matter for them. Because we all don't have it easy. We all don't have the perfect parents and the grandfather and all of those things. But we're all given a set of tools, and I think it's up to us to do the best that we can with them. Learn more. And I've never seen anyone whose whose flower that I haven't watered that's blossomed. You know, it's it's like there's no child left behind kind of thing. If you're willing to to lean in, you don't have children yet, do
2: you? I do not. Married? Not yet. Not yet. Ah, single. Um, no, dating.
1: Ah, but dating. Okay, well. Mm, I got some people out there going, "Whoa, wait a second, he's really."
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah.
1: Well, let's see. How many kids do you want?
2: Um, I would love three, two boys, one girl.
1: That was that works. My uh, when I got with my ex, he said we want twins, and guess what? Five years later, I have twins. For the last twenty years, And it's the best thing ever happened to me.
2: That's awesome.
1: Boy and a girl, yeah. So you're allowed to want exactly what you want. Write it on that piece of paper in that book, and I'll talk. Yeah. To you. I'll talk to you in a couple <laughs> of years. Yeah, that works. All right, so now you are working with Ryan. How would you describe Ryan Stuman? Who I've had on the show, by the way.
2: Yeah, he's, I mean, there's a lot of cool things I could say about him too. One, he is super intense, but in a good way. I'm used to that. It's the sports world, right? It's the whole thing of like, wants the best for you and won't let you not get your best. And I think that's a great quality because ultimately what ends up happening, same thing in business, you can get comfortable right? It's the whole thing I talked about before. So, if you're constantly understanding, okay, there's better, like I'm still here, there's more for me to do. It's that mentality. That's how i would describe them um, for the most part.
1: Well, actually, I, I'm sorry. I just looked over the notes. Carla says, My daughter is single and gorgeous. Well,
0: let's
1: see. This <laughs> could be the dating show. Well, well I've got Taylor. Though he's dating, you know, just
0: kidding.
1: Your girlfriend's going to smack me. <laughs> promise. Stay true to her, stay in love. Um, so you know what's interesting about that statement? Because, again, Ryan, he, I don't think he really knows it, but uh, he's been on the show. He's been a friend. I have not talked to him a little bit in a while. But that intensity is really admired when you're a man. Ed Milet, Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, Ryan Stuart, very intense. You know what it's when you're a woman? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the words they call you instead of intense are not so nice because there's no analogy. I mean, I could probably run a football squad if I wanted to. I mean, I, you know, we just talked really lightly about martial arts. Yeah. It's a massive part of my background. And you talk about, well, life happens for you, not to you. I was in my thirties and I got mugged in Los Angeles. And wow. the next day I went to, it happens, right? The next day I went to a self-defense class. I stayed for four years in that one studio and then it blossomed to taekwondo, aikido, wing chung, and, and now spin gym is part of my martial arts background. You want to hear something cool? That's awesome. I was an actress before I started this whole fitness coaching on television career, uh, and I've not acted for a while, but I said prior to my last birthday that I miss it and I want to do a movie again. And you know what? On my birthday, I landed the lead in a movie. How crazy is that? With Billy Blanks, Kevin Sorbo, who played Hercules, uh, created by Cynthia Rothrock, who's the leading female martial artist, and it's a martial arts action Western. Hello. Wow. I know. That's awesome. I'm so excited. And I, I had a guest the other day say something that stuck with me. We all have bucket lists, right? What's something on your bucket list?
2: Um, for me, it's to retire my parents.
1: I love that. What's nothing on your bucket list? This is
2: good. Um, to have a house over in um, in the Maldives.
1: Oh, ooh, I'm going to come visit. God, I met you now. <laughs> Give me one more.
2: Um, to have cash flow seven figures every year on its on its own.
1: Have you written all this down, by the way, in your bucket list?
2: Um, I haven't done the Maldives one. That's a new one, but yeah. the others, yeah.
1: So somebody said to me, take the B out of bucket and replace it with an F. Hmm. Now, what that list is, is 10 times exponentially bigger than your bucket list. Now, this is really interesting because what's on your F list is things that are so big. It's me getting an Oscar. And you can, it's funny when you say it. I absolutely want, I have every reason to get an Oscar and an Emmy. I'm an actress and I can produce a movie. And it's, yeah, you could do that. I can, Bethany Frank was on the cover of Time magazine. I'd like to be on the cover of Time magazine. Not necessarily bucket list, but definitely on the F list. Yeah. What's something on your, I don't want to say it like, because I'm on broadcast radio, <laughs> but the effort list. What's on yours?
2: Um, New York Times bestseller.
1: Bingo. Love that. By the way, you just you should move that over to bucket. That's not something that's not achievable. We had a lot of folks up there. Give me another one. How big are we going here?
2: Um, let's see. Actually, I, I would love to help my, my brother become the same thing, become a millionaire.
1: Now, all right. So now I'm a, I'm a mental coach. Just the way you said that, Let's just repack that. Number one, the word actually, I know this sounds crazy. My students are going to go, you go Forbes. Take that out <laughs> of your vocabulary. You know what the word actually means? That you don't believe it. You said, okay. actually, i like my brother to become a millionaire. How about it say, I have plans to make and support my brother being a millionaire. Massive mental, sh- right. That's my field. And I love that because that's easy to achieve. That's not even on F. That, that's a bucket list. What go go bigger? One more. Let's see. I got Uh, one in my mind for you. Oh, you do? Go ahead.
2: You come Um, up. Let's see.
1: Uh, I love this.
2: Probably. I'd love to hit. In the next five years, maybe decade, 25 million in real estate.
1: Why not? I've got people less smart than you that are doing that. Here's my one for you, that Tony Robbins invites you up to speak on his stage.
2: Oh, that would be freaking awesome.
1: (laughs) Come on, am I a good coach or what? Yeah, that would look-
2: All right, I'm gonna write that one down.
1: You better, and you better call me when it happens because that's on your list now, given to you by the queen of F, Forbes Riley herself.
2: (laughs) I love it, I love it.
1: Oh my gosh, all right, so tell me about Apex. I was going to sneak into Dallas. I was in Sacramento and I couldn't quite make it uh, to surprise Ryan. But oh, it looked wow. like a beautiful event. Tell me, tell everybody about what Apex was. Now, so the Apex is the company or the event?
2: Um, Apex is yeah. the company. I think the event you're talking about was MDM, right? Okay. Million Dollar Mastermind? Okay. Yeah. yeah, so Million Dollar Mastermind is the big event that we have every year. We have a lot, a lot of speakers in. Brad Lee was there. We had um, Eric Thomas here before. Am Let the before as well? A lot and of us.
1: Yeah, but how many women? You know, I speak on stage with all those guys all the time. Yeah. How many we women? had,
2: um, let's see, we had, had 1,500 people there total. I believe there was- oh,
1: women speakers.
2: Oh, women, women speakers. We had one, two. I'm just pushing. You.
1: Three. Give me, the, give me the top one that you like listening to most.
2: We had four and they're on a panel. <gasps> uh,
1: you did not have a single woman speaking on her own. I want you to take that back to Ryan and go, okay, dude, um, we had a I'm not,
2: I'm, Unless I'm missing one, I may be missing one, but I remember no, the it's, four no, it's still, I to.
1: This happens all the time.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm on tour. I just finished getting off tour with Deepak Chopra, Les Brown, Gary Vee. The only other woman out of 33 men is me and Sharon Lecter. Mm. Eric Thomas is there. Who else is there that you know? Uh, A couple of two women, two. Just saying.
2: Gotcha. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Saw the wink.
1: (laughs) and, And there's an interesting reason about that. It's fascinating. You said they were on a panel. That doesn't really count. Um, and it's, as I'm going to keep putting this out to all my women and the future women that you're going to create, uh, that your little girl, how to empower her to just kind of stand on her own and have a message that's important. And I don't quite know why the inequity happens all the time. And maybe it's because when women get that kind of loud and aggressive and big and bold, like an, I mean, Ed and Brad, I'm with them all the time. They can be exactly who they are. I, as a woman got to wear the high heels, have the makeup done, look good, and, You know, when you get pushy, just be careful because you got across that little fine line from being a pitcher to a bit, something like that. Yes. (laughs) I didn't say that, did I? (laughs) But think about who your mom wants to hear. She doesn't want to hear Ed Milad and Bradley. She wants to hear a woman who looks like her. She wants to be inspired. There's a whole plethora of women out there that need role models.
2: 100%.
1: More than just cheerleaders. Okay. I watched the cutest little thing yesterday. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a huge YouTube fan and uh, there were a group of cheerleaders and there was a security guard kind of like big burly kind of, kind of in the way of everything. And at one point somebody yelled at him and he looked at them and then he started dancing and doing the cheer and I almost fell off my chair (laughs) because he rehearsed it. He was ready to go. And it was hysterical. So the world is changing. All right. So the big takeaway at that event was.
2: The biggest takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, for me personally, um, every time I get to see these speakers kind of talk, because I've seen a couple of them before, but I'm trying to step into the speaking world, which is kind of funny. You say to speak on Tony Robbins' stage, um, is that so I'm seeing them, because I've seen them before, how they come back to the same, some of people's same audience, how they, you know, if they spoke on some of the same things, how they change the message just slightly, but still at the same points, or even how they have a new message and what they're talking on. Because I've watched them on obviously YouTube and keep up with them throughout the year as well. And so, seeing how they navigate, also the audience, how they feel the audience, how they interject certain things that may not—I know—may not be in their script or what they what I prepared for or what I've seen them talk on. Like for example, um, I saw Emilat speak twice on the same speech, like the exact same speech, and it felt different, completely different.
1: Oh, I but was it- about to tell you this. Wait, let me share something about you being a speaker and you being a student of speakers. So, one of my early mentors say, was a little bit Asperger's. So for him, at this, I don't write; I don't have a script but he had to have an exact script and he went out the first time and he ran this event and it was like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Second time I saw it was the exact same, like the hand motions and everything was exactly the same. And I was like, Oh wow. That's kind of weird. When I got over that thought, I was compelled to listen third year, same thing, but you know, what was interesting. It is the exact same speech. You know, who changed? I did. You did. Mm. I heard it completely different, even though it was the same words. And so I thought there's value in that as a technique.
2: Yeah, that's very true. Because that was the thing I'm sort of learning right now and seeing all these great speakers all the time is kind of taking away how they present something or if the audience is a certain way or making them feel a certain way, then bringing them back up to a certain space. And like all of those nuances to that is what I get fascinated by now. So. That's what, I, that's what I personally took away a lot from it.
1: Well, I'm taking away so much from this hour. This has been spectacular. We have three minutes to the close of my show, which I'm like, no, wait, I still am enjoying this so <laughs>
0: much. All
1: right, so let's give my audience, on your path to become a speaker, on your path to hang out with greatness, what's something you want everyone listening to hear, to know?
2: I think my message always is it's possible. Um, and I think that's really the main thing that's possible for you. And now I know for me, when I was growing up, I never I wrote it down because I I knew it was gonna be a stretch, but at the same time I knew it was possible for me. And so it really became a belief system and realizing when I look back now, playing in the NFL was a 0.06% chance of me ever making it to it. Um, So if I were to look at those numbers, I may have given up, right? But I looked at the numbers of like, who was, who do I need to be? So I think for the same thing for me is now, now I've transitioned into business too. So I get to hang around people, the top 1% of the world there too. And it's the same process. And I'm not anybody special. I'm from a, a little town in McKinney, te- like Texas. So it's just like it's possible for anybody is really the the goal if you truly believe it and you actually take action upon it.
1: When I look at you, I see humility in excellence.
2: I appreciate that a lot. Those yeah. are the two. Those are two core values I have for myself.
1: Seriously, wow. Well, I can read that all over you, and I will tell you, you're definitely more than top one 0%, zero percent, zero six percent. And it's been an absolute honor to spend this afternoon with you. Thank you so very much. Uh, how do people find you?
2: Um, social media typically is the best way. Um, Instagram or Facebook, either way. Um, both verified accounts, T-SIM or t you'll be able to find me there. Thankfully, my last name is not, no one has that last name. so, it's- <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Definitely
1: one of you, Mr. Taylor. All right, we're down to the final few minutes, guys. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart so much. Give my love to Mr. Ryan. Say hi to me for me. And I, I will you guys soon. And for everybody listening, what a phenomenal show. I hope you get to replay this. We're, we're everywhere from iTunes, to sketcher, Pandora, and of course, right here on our platform, Voice America every week at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then we're replayed a lot. So you guys, as always, I'm Forbes Riley for the Forbes Factor, focusing on health, wealth, and happiness. May you go out, make it a good one, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye, everybody.